This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama, which you can find every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. First story this week comes from Rocky Jordan. We'll hear The Coward of Muda Khan from July 24th, 1949. After that, it's Bold Venture and Slate Shannon Sucker from I get all kinds of customers in the tambourine. Sailors on leave and salesmen on the prowl. Guide tours looking for atmosphere and girls with atmosphere looking for guide tours. A lot of Egyptians turned European and now and then a European turned native. No matter who they are or where they come from, they're all looking for a drink. And that's why I never expect to see a Muslim in the tambourine. They don't drink and they don't plan on making a lot of conversation with anybody who does. So it's no wonder I raised an eyebrow the other night when I spotted one making his way through the crowd. A little dark-haired man in a red burnoose. But he wasn't looking for whiskey, he was looking for me. Ah, you are the offended Jordan. I was told you could be found here. My name is Rinchy Abel from the house of the Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk. Oh, yes, I've heard of him, Rinchy. The Sheikh begs you attend him immediately, without delay. Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk wants to see me? Yes. Oh, no. You must be mistaken. There is no mistake, Effendi. Please, allow me to escort you to his home. What's it all about? A matter of most grave import. I beg you, accompany me now. And I did. If I didn't have any other reason, I wanted to get a look at the man who was almost a legend around Cairo. Sheikh Ali ben Lekerk. They tell me that years ago, when he was out in the desert, he made war with the French and British and Italians and Germans and anybody else who came along. Finally, everybody figured it was a lot cheaper to get along with him. So they gave him a big house in Cairo with a lot of administration work in the provinces and outposts. And the government made a good bargain. His name on a tax bill meant more than a whole army of collectors. Everybody in Cairo and Egypt knew Ali ben Lekerk, and everybody dipped a fez to him. And that's exactly what I wanted to do when Rinchy led me into a room that fitted the old man like a book. It was complete with incense, fountain, and native music drifting in from behind satin curtains. Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk was sitting in a chair at one end. If he'd have stood up, he'd have been over six and a half feet tall. But he just sat there and waited for me to come over. Uh, good evening, Mr. Jordan. Thank you for coming. 
That is all, Rinchi. As you will, master. I have heard of you, Mr. Jordan. It pleases me that you have come to my home, that I may meet you in person. And I've heard of you. <laughs> Good, I hope. I have always tried to be fair. Well, it isn't often that, a, uh, that I'm invited into the home of one of Egypt's most influential citizens. <laughs> Religious customs are different in all parts of the world. I regret that ours make such an issue of unbelievers. When I visited your country, there was no such differentiation. Why are you here? For what reason? Please sit down, Mr. Jordan. I must explain. And at the same time, I must confess to being an old man. That is an issue I find difficult to make terms with. Nevertheless, for some time now, I've been compromising with my age. And as an act of pride, I have planned to record the history of my noble family, the House of Mutakar. Um... Uh, you have a question, of course, for this is news to you. Yes, there was a pharaoh, King Mutakar, the first of my people. Of him I know very little. But it would please me, make me happy as an old man, to complete the record of my ancestors. The history of my family will be revealed in hieroglyphics to be read at his uncovered and unrecorded tomb. Tomb of Mutakan? I've never heard of it. As I say, it is unrecorded. Why, I do not know. But at the pyramid, I will find an answer. But a pyramid? Where is there such a pyramid? Where is such a pyramid? In the lands of the desert, south from ancient Giza, where the high winds are almost perpetual, lies the mummy of Mutakar. Well, I've been in that area a dozen times. I never it saw it. It is buried, covered with sand of the centuries. The scrolls foretold it. The buried pyramid? As I say, the Comcine is perpetual there. There is still the same question in your eyes. Since I have started to make plans for recording the saga of my noble family, I have encountered many obstacles. What kind of obstacles? Transportation of machinery, hiring engineers. Mm -hmm. But even more, threats. Oh? I have been threatened many times in my life. And such notes and signs have always been to my mind the frustration of some unfortunate maladjusted being. However, this time, it is different. There has been a violence. Do the police know about this? There has been no time. I don't understand. Observe me well, Mr. Jordan. I am a dying man. What? The assassin's knife is foreign to my body. That's when he stood up and opened his burnoose. The hilt of a small knife was sticking from his chest... How he was still alive or what let him sit there and talk to me with that thing in him, I'll never know. <coughs> the threats were in earnest. Look, I'll get a doctor. No, no, it's too late. It's a grievous wound. Who did it? I haven't much time, Mr. Jordan. You are the only one I trust now. I brushed a shadow in the darkness, and my killer is unidentified. Well, maybe if I get... Death is nothing. But I entrust you to meet my son back here. In the province of Ruba, 
Tell him of my design to excavate the tomb of Mutakhan. Tell him that I, his father, order it to be done. Tell him that I insist upon this work so that others will know of my honorable family. Sure, sure, I'll tell him. And tell no one else. All right. But listen, you are disturbed by my murder. And be of good heart... It is the will of Allah. He slid to the floor and closed his eyes, and there wasn't anything I could do. Well, I got a phone and called Homicide Division and waited for them to show up. Sam Sabaya led the parade. He didn't look happy when he saw what had happened. And when I told him how the old man had died... Forgetting the part about the pyramid, he shoved his fez back on his head. You are lying to me, George. Ah, just a minute, Sam. I've told you the truth. But not enough of it. You've omitted some small details, details such as Rinchi Adel, why you came here, for what reason Lecoq sent for you. Sergeant. Yes, Captain Shabai. A servant, Rinchi Adel, is to be questioned in connection with this case. Alert communications. He is somewhere in Cairo. Right away. And, Sergeant, the newspapers should not be notified of this occurrence. I understand. No one is to be told that Shark Allah ben Kerak is dead. Yes, sir. That is all. That is all. Well, Sam, I'm not going to try to figure your moves because none of it makes and sense And I to me. am conducting the investigation. You hear me? I do not want news of his death to be released for the present. You've got a reason. I have. A very good one. Well, do I stay around here? Am I under arrest or what? You may go. Good night, Sam. I'll see you later. Oh, Jordan. Ah? Uh? As you forget the news of the death of Shaq Ali Ben Leclerc, also forget the unrecorded tomb of King Muta Khan. What? And whatever reason Shaq Ali Ben Leclerc had for calling you in and speaking to you of Muta Khan is also to be forgotten. How did you know about it? The Egyptian government forbid Leclerc to excavate. What is unrecorded is best left unrecorded. What is uncovered thus far is best buried. Yeah? What if an old man died? Ali Ben Lekirk has been murdered, it is true. It is obvious his servant that disappeared, Ranchi Adel, is guilty. Oh, you jump at a lot of conclusions. There is one conclusion alone that concerns you. Do not under any circumstances reveal the death of Lekirk. And do not pursue this matter any further. Okay, Sam, from here on out, it's a police affair. Exactly. Good night. <laughs> Then I had no way of knowing what Sam had in the back of his head or why he wouldn't talk. I guess I was sore when I walked out of there. The old man died because someone didn't want him to dig up a pyramid. And Sam Sabaya seemed to go right along with the idea. But trying to forget the picture of an old man with a knife between his ribs, living long enough to tell me about his family and what it meant to have that tomb uncovered, was another thing. So I decided to go to the province of Ruba and look up the sheik's son. I threw a few things in a suitcase and went over to the station. I was waiting in line to get a ticket, but a blonde girl saved me the trouble. She had a lot of blue eyes and a lot of white teeth when she talked. I followed you from the Sheikh Ali Ben Lekhoek's home. Huh? You were there less than an hour ago. There were others, too. Police, I believe. Ah, you get around. What did I have for breakfast? Then you went to a cafe tambourine. I learned that you were the owner of the place. Your name is Rocky Jordan. And I'll bet you followed me here to the station. You are buying a ticket to the province of Ruba? That's right. Anything else, lady? Your trip is unnecessary. Yeah? The Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk, awaits you at Shepherd's Hotel. Huh? I am Katila, the wife of Bakir. Shall we go? Uh, 
Yeah, let's go. And we went to the Shepherd's Hotel, Suite 609 to be exact. The Sheik's son, Bakir, turned out to be a streamlined version of his father. He was about six and a half feet tall, big boned, only his hair was black, and he wasn't wearing a burnoose. He was done up in brush clothes, and he could tell where the sweatband of his pith helmet had stopped the sunburn. Come in, please, come in. So this is the fellow, huh? Darling, this is Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan, this is my husband, Bakir, son of Ali ben Mekirk. Thank you for coming, Jordan. I suppose I have some explaining to do. A drink? Oh, not right now, then. My dear? Mm, no, thank you. Darling, don't you think... Yes, good scotch is a lost cause out in the provinces. Ice is pretty hard to fly in from the mountains. Yatila and I came in tonight from Maruba. My father asked us to make the trip. It was a secret trip. We went from the airport to the sheikh's home. There were police cars there. You didn't go inside? My father has an old saying. Sidestep trouble so you can attack it from the rear. And you were the first to leave the house, so I, I followed to see who you were. By the way, did you ask him if he's a policeman, my dear? I run a cafe over by the mosque Sultan Hassan. I'm not a cop. I sure met a lot of them tonight. You were... Uh... People don't know what's happened yet, huh? What has happened, Jordan? Your father's dead, Buck here. Dead? Oh, no. But he was alive. The doctor said he had a good five years, even ten he left. Didn't he didn't just die. He was assassinated. Sheikh Ali Ben was assassinated. He called me in tonight. He explained a plan he had to dig up an old buried pyramid. The tomb of Mutakan. I told him that it was absolutely ridiculous. Then you know something about it? Of course. He wants that tomb excavated so the family history will be completed. But how was he slain? Stabbed. He sat there and told me all this with a knife sticking in him. I didn't see it until he pulled back his robes. Who would do such a thing? Who Easy, would... darling. He said he'd been threatened ever since he made plans to excavate Mutakan. The police are looking for a servant, uh, Rinchi Adel. I don't see how he could have done it. This but... message about Mutakan exploring it. That's what my father asked you to tell me? That's it. He died for that. He died just for that. Darling, please. It's a rotten way to die. It's a rotten thing to die for. Oh, if you only knew, Jordan, if you only knew. He thought a great deal of it. And when you dig it up, Bakir maybe... Bakir will never excavate the tomb of King Mutakan. What? That's right, Jordan. Never. But your father ordered... Good night, Jordan. Thanks for your help. Now, listen to me. You could have seen him staying alive just long enough to tell me. <laughs> enough. I've had enough about Mutakan. Get out of here, Jordan. You've delivered your message. Now get out. Everybody had something against old King Muta Khan. For a guy who lived three or four thousand years ago, he wasn't very popular. After hearing the Sheik's son talk the way he did, I quit trying to figure out any of it. There was something that had to be told, but it didn't look like I was going to hear it. That is, until I'd uh, been home a couple of hours and had a couple of drinks. That's when Katila sat on the stool next to me. Hello. Order up. It's about closing time. I didn't come in for a drink. Yeah, that's all we got here. Drinks. No answers, no nothing else. I know what you're thinking, Mr. Jordan, but it's not the way it looks. Believe me. No, it isn't? All right, then. How is it? Buck here isn't denying what his father wanted, what, what his father died for. The sheik says uncover that tomb. It means a lot to me to have a complete history of my family. Buck here says I won't do it. 
The sheik's dead. Bakir's alive. Yeah, I did what he asked me to do. You think Bakir should undertake the excavation of Mutar Khan, don't you? What do you think, lady? I think you're an American sentimentalist. And I think you're in the wrong land to practice sentiment of this sort. Look, I saw him die. But you're to be admired, Mr. Jordan. Because I'd feel the same way, and so would Bakir, if we didn't know what we do. Can you make it right? Listen to me. There's one thing you don't know. <laughs> a lot of things I don't know. Ben Lecarque lived in a world removed. Every action in his life was prompted by his own father and the proud record of the desert tribes of his family. And he liked that record. He wanted to get it all. That's just it, Mr. Jordan. And that's why I'm here. Yeah, look at this hieroglyphic. The single picture of a man with his head set on his shoulders looking backward. Yeah, so what? It is from the tomb of King Mutakan. All right. Don't you see, Mr. Jordan? Everyone but the sheikh knew of this, knew what will be found if the tomb is ever excavated. What do you mean? King Mutakan, the illustrious founder of the tribe, king of the deserts and protector of the weak, lived and died a coward. You are listening to The Coward of Muta Khan, today's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Have you ever been out on a stroll Sunday evening at 8.30? Well, we suggest you spend that half hour beside your radio. But if you should be outside enjoying the night air, promptly at 8.30, you will hear a familiar sound. It's the whistler calling you to excitement, to suspense, and another strange story about people who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, most of the homes you pass on your evening stroll will be listening to the whistler. And if you want to spend a thrilling half hour with a fine story, you'll be in your living room, too, listening to tonight's story called The Hermit, The Whistler's Strange Tale, tonight on CBS. Now we return you to Cairo and today's adventure with Rocky Jordan, the coward of Muta Khan. Well, when Katila came in my place and told me why nobody wanted that tomb dug up, it all began to make sense. Sam knew what they'd find. The Egyptian government, who thought a lot of the old man, wouldn't grant a permit. Bakir and Katila, everybody but the old man, seemed to know the story. Yes, somebody killed him to stop him from finding out. That part didn't make sense until Sam Sabaya walked in the next morning. Jordan, I wish to talk with you. Okay, Sam. I've just left Bakir. You informed him of his father's death. That's right. Against my orders. I had a job, Sam. The old man asked me to talk with him. You know the reasons why Mutakan will not be excavated. Yeah, I know. But it doesn't seem worth murder. But... Uh, Jordan, let us consider each other for a moment. We are both prone to temper. I've come to apologize for my curtness last night. Ah, you don't have to, Sam. You were doing what you thought best. It is more than that. I must find Rinchi Abel. You still think he killed the old man? I'm certain of it, Jordan. Well, I'm not. Ali Ben Lekirk was destined to die very soon. Cancer. But he had every intention of living long enough to unearth the mummy of Mutakan. And they tell me when he made up his mind about something, he was pretty sure of getting something done. Exactly. The servant, Rinchi Abel, realized this. And he also realized that it would grieve his master into an unhappy death if he were to discover the truth of Muzakan. 
Are you trying to tell me that Wrenchy stuck the knife in the sheik, then came and got me? Exactly. Ali Ben Lekirk was destined to die. Rinchi Abel reasoned he would die happily without the disgraceful news of Muta Khan. So he waylaid his master. Ah, oh, that's crazy. It is hard for you, a Westerner, to understand this matter of destiny, but I believe it is so. I believe that Rinchi slew his master to prevent him from knowing the disgrace of King Muta Khan. And I'd like to hear Rinchi's version. The chances are you never will, nor will anyone, Jordan. Rinchi Abel, in all probability, has destroyed himself by now. Is that the will of Allah? It is a way of life that you would not understand. As soon as we find the body of Rinchi Abel, Cairo will know of the death of Sheikh Ali ben Lekirk. All right, Sam, but I still don't understand it. I didn't expect you would. Good day, Jordan. All that day, I sat and thought about what Sam had told me, the reasoning behind Lekirk's death. There was too much left over and too much left unsaid to make it gel. But there wasn't anything I could do. At least I thought there wasn't anything I could do until I heard a knock on my office door. For the second time in two days, there was a Muslim in the tambourine. And he still wasn't looking for a drink. Yeah? It is I, Effendi. Rinchy, get in here. Please, Effendi, listen to me. I am a wanted man. You bet your curled up booties you're a wanted man. Oh, mercy, Effendi. Listen, Buster. They're looking everywhere in Cairo for you. And they're going to keep right on looking until they find you. And you better have a pretty good story to tell, because I don't think they're going to listen to any B-plots. A moment, a moment. You, Effendi, were the last to speak with my master before he died. You knew he had a knife in him when you took me there? Of course. It was I who ministered to him the night before when he was attacked. You mean he lived 24 hours with a knife in his chest? As Allah is my judge. I found him lying on his street near his home. I carried him there and bathed his wound. Why didn't you call a doctor? I wanted to call a physician, but he wouldn't allow me. And to extract the knife would have meant instant death. My master was a strong man, and he lived a strong life. He had many small details he wanted to complete before the end. And you helped him? I did as I was commanded. Did that include getting hold of me? Yes. His last command was when... when he dismissed me in your presence. Well, the police think you did it. But why a humble servant like myself? Because you knew about Muta Khan and didn't want him to find out? No, no, I knew of the coward, but I did not slay my master. Hear me, Effendi. I did not do it. All right. Supposing you tell me who did kill him. If I knew, I would avenge his death. You're still number one. For myself, I do not care. My life ended when my master died. How did you know about Muta Khan being a coward? The photograph of the hieroglyphic. A face turned backward. Such a revelation would truly have made my master's death unhappy. Well, that's easy to figure. Well, now where are we? Ah, the true story... Of Mutakan. Oh, I'm sick of hearing that. I've already heard it a dozen times. I know the truth. All right, what is the truth? The pyramid is not the victim of sand erosion or high winds. It is buried because it was erected underground. What? That is so. The elders who constructed it because a pharaoh must have a pyramid did so purposely, hoping no one would ever find any trace of a man who lived as dishonorably as did King Mutakan. Yeah, he was a real eight ball. All right, go on. In the tomb, there is no mummy. You've been inside? No, but those who buried him buried him alive and left no record. For King Mutakan committed the crime above all crimes, Effendi. For the love of the daughter of his enemy, he sold his own people into slavery and slew his own... Get down!
Rinchy Arbel never finished the sentence. He was dead before he hit the floor. Whoever stuck his hand in through the window knew how to shoot, knew what he was shooting at. And he knew how to make a getaway. Well, that's when I stopped trying to figure Egyptian theories on honor and family and kings. I left Rinchy lying on the floor of my office, told the boys who came up the stairs to notify Sabaya and tell him I'd be around later. I had some practical figuring to do and a couple of stops to make around town. First, the Egyptian War Office, Hall of Records. Second, the British Army Headquarters and a colonel who'd been with Monty's 8th Army. Third, to the airport, where I grabbed the first plane out for the province of Ruba, which, strangely enough, turned out to be exactly two miles by horseback from the site of the buried tomb of that old bum, King Musa Khan. Ali Ben Kirk had been right about one thing. The high winds did blow there all year round. But it hadn't bothered the guy who'd had a bulldozer and tunneled under the sand and built a concrete passageway right down to the entrance of the tomb. I didn't know who he was, but he left his horse tied up right by the entrance. Stand where you are, I have a gun. Oh, easy, Sam, easy. It's me, Rocky. Jordan! What are you doing here? Same thing you are, looking for some answers. I told you, Jordan, this is a police affair and I will not be interfered with. Yeah, sure. Only it looks more like an espionage job, something for the army boys to handle. Well, all right, you are here. Come on. Well, I'm uh, glad I found you here, Sam. Makes your double talk back in Cairo look straighter. Jordan, ever since the war, the Egyptian government has been anxious to discover the cache where Rommel's army hoped to resupply themselves and enter Cairo. And this is it, huh? Tomb of old Muta Khan. Exactly. This is the main chamber where the mummy would have been. Hmm. Some mummies. Offhand, about uh, 200,000 rounds of ammunition, machine guns. Fuel oil, preserved foods, everything a fast-moving army cannot carry but could pick up and use. Yeah. Right on top, nothing but a load of sand. The entrance you came by can be sealed easily and camouflaged. We have been watching it since the war. You mean some of Rommel's men might still be around? Yes. Some of Rommel's men are still around. What? Uh-uh. I shoot very well. Mr. Jordan can confirm that. Oh, yeah, that's right, Sam. She plugged Rinchy Abel back at the tambourine. Now that both of you know that Bakir and myself were the agents for Rommel, I hope you will die happily and quietly. Bakir? He's an Egyptian of noble birth. Yes, Captain Sabayev. I am an Egyptian. Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali ben Lekek, province of Ruba. Departed from Muslim practice out of necessity. A most unworthy son of a most illustrious father. <clears throat> you look disappointed, Captain Sabaya. Haven't you ever heard of a traitor before? Don't tell me you don't know anything about cowards. Stop it, back here. This will accomplish nothing. Sorry, right, I know what I'm doing. Maybe you have something to say, Jordan. You're always so full of talk. Want me to beg for my life? I'd like that, too. Back here. Do you know what you have done? Let's get rid of these two, Bakir. The noble Sabaya has asked me a question, my dear. He wonders if I know what I've done. I tell you... Shut I... up. I've sold out, Sabaya. I sold out years ago. I sold out my country. When the Germans sent an agent out looking for a place to hide arms and ammunition, they came to the right man. They came to me. Yes, sir, it was little Katila here who clinched the deal. It all happened when I was in school in England. So? 
I came up with a wife. Why? Why did you do it? Why did I do it? Egypt has been good to you and your family. Why? Because it has given me a wife. Beautiful, isn't she? Yes. I see now. You see what? Tell me what you see before I kill you. Your real name. What is it? Mutakan. Pig. Vile pig. You killed your own father. What? Stand back, Pakir. I've had enough of this. I killed as my... As surely as if you had assassinated him with your own hand. Rinchi Abel did that so he'd never find out about... He was going to excavate and we would have been discovered. I, I killed you him. You Katila! Let go, you fool! Let go! Let go! Let go. I... Poor stupid fool. You'll never get away. How? Give me the gun. Here. Ready? This was a good place for me. For him to... Yes, this was a fitting place for both of us. Two cowards, the first and the last. History repeats itself, Captain Sabaya. All I had to do was read the scrolls to find out how it would end. To find out how it would end. <laughs> CBS at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Rocky Jordan, starring Jack Moyles in the title role, is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Orant, conducted by Ivan Dittmars. Tonight's story was authored by E. Jack Newman under the supervision of Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Bold Venture. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. How soon will Slate be back, Mr. Wall? 
I ask only because I hope it's not for hours and hours. Not so close, Frankie. I might fog your glasses. I'll chance it. Ever kiss a boy with tortoise shells? You're probing, Professor. Now, let me think. Yes. Yes, I did once. Exciting? I was five and he was six. He asked me up to his treehouse to admire his collection of steelies and glassies. I'll never forget. I had to hobble home on one roller skate. Why? The kid was a cad. You're cute. Cute as a bug at a rug. Oh, Frankie. Next you'll be telling me I'm the bee's knees. You want it subtle, huh? Okay. I'll tell you in words they write in poems. How the curve of your mouth is classic. How your cheek is... Back up, Buster. I'll uncurl your ringlets. Hey, what's up, sailor? Boy trying to sell you a magazine subscription? Slate. Slate Shannon. You remember me? You heard, sailor. She said it real clear. She said back. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. You're Greg's brother. Greg Jordan's brother. That's right, Frankie. What are you doing in Havana, kid? How's Greg? <laughs> One at a time, Slate. The big brother's married. Four kids and a mortgage. What I'm doing in Havana is learning what every young fellow should know. I left college to try to learn it. Want to take me around the museums and teach me? Sure, kid. I'll show you a Havana they never dreamed of in the geography books. And uh, we'll take Miss Duvall, too, huh? Please. That way it'll be co-educational. anything? A sea bass. Baby, threw him back. Never have any luck, sir, fishing. Used to get prizes for the amount of seaweed I pulled up. You know, I don't figure you. I really don't. Well, tell me why, kid. A big-time gambler like you. A man the police are looking for, and you pick yourself a seaside park and fish. Well, you ought to try it. Restful. For the nerves. You study about nerves at college? Uh-uh. Economics. Mm, that sounds educational. Brief me on economics, kid. Uh, get money from people. That's a brief on every textbook I ever had. <laughs> Good books. Sound. You got the makings, kid. I like the way you operated on the boat. I'll tell you the truth. I never saw a better second-card stud dealer in my life. Where'd you learn? My brother. He did it for the oohs and ahs in the parlor. Mm, that's one way. Did you see your brother's friend, Shannon? Sure. Tonight we're going to have a party. Laughs and tickles and rumbas. Wait a minute. Uh, no, I thought I had a bite. What I was going to say, kid, don't have too good a time. Shannon's got to get us out of Havana. He will. Because if we ever step foot on that liner again, we'll take the rest of the crews and whatever they use for a brig. I said Shannon will get us out. Sure you did. Only I've got something else to tell you. Remember the guy on the boat who always wore double-breasted tweeds? The man who dropped maybe $200 in draw poker in State Room 20? I don't remember his name, but he played a fair hand at draw. Lost his dough and then hung around and watched. That him? Mm-hmm. He's a detective, kid. He's tailing me. I shook him someplace on Malacone Drive. How do you know he's a detective? Because I had to hit him before I shook him. He showed me a card. Told me the vacationers were squawking about a couple of Sharpies. You and me. Told me how much we cheated them out of. Said, please come along. So now you know why it's important. I told you. Shannon's a sucker. He'll get us out of Havana. <laughs> Shh. 
Slater, I'll never forget you for this. The places you've shown me. And this highlight game, I've always wanted to see one. You're making childhood dreams come true. You do my heart good, kid. Enjoying yourself like this. Make me remember how I was the first time I hit Havana. Tell us about it, Slate. Tell us how you came. A barefoot, bright-eyed lad with downy cheeks of tan. Look, you asked me to tell it. Let me tell it. There I was, standing on the pier, a bright-eyed lad with... Look at those guys. The way they handle those sisters. Look. Look at that catch. As I was saying, there I was, standing on the pier. Havana reaching her arms out to me. Me, a bright-eyed lad with... Wait, Slate. That man over there. The one in the double-breasted tweed suit. The one who's been following us. You'll listen to me, huh, Frankie? He's coming over to us. Wait till he gets here. Then you can tell him, too. Slate. That's the guy I've been telling you about. The one on the boat. He scares me. Having a jolly time, Frankie? Like the game? What does he want with me, Slate? You heard the boy, Buster. Answer the boy. Keep your long fingers out of it, mister. That way we won't ever quarrel. Come on, Frankie. Let's walk out here like we're old school champs, huh? Slate! Leave him alone. Leave the kid alone. I told you. Let's not make a scene, huh, pal? Don't make me breathe too hard, Frankie. I'm not... Maybe I can arrange that buster. About the breeze. The long fingers, I told you. Yeah. Count them, mister. All five of them. I'll kill him, Slate. I'll kill him. Give me that bottle, kid. You going crazy? Kill him. Kill him. The bottle, Frankie. Give me that bottle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Slate. Let's take the kid home, Slate. It's way beyond his nap time. A boy, he study in university, plenty IQs and educated he. He wink an eye in Miss Salo's direction, say, hip hooray, you're a yummy confection. Miss Salo, she put Frankie in place. She kick his ankle, sneer in his face. And all the while, Mr. Slate has jollies, blame it on wild old type follies. That's the way me and my guitar observe it, Mr. Slate. <laughs> well, both of you got good eyes. I still don't understand what you got against Frank, sailor. Did you see the way he broke that bottle? He was going to stab that man. Oh, I doubt it. Kid saw the routine in the movies once. He figures it's a thing to do in Havana. Look, you can't blame him for nuzzling up to you. Let's face it, you're a nuzzable girl. Choosy, too. I select my own nuzzlers. Mr. Slate, may I say a word? Go ahead, King. I have seen many men as I walk through the world. Oh, here we go. Men of high breeding and low. The looks they gave could wither the soul. Men who drew shadows about their shoulders. What don't you like about Frank Jordan? He's a stinker. A big one. Now, look, he's, he's the brother of a friend of mine. That makes him a responsibility. I'm going to take care of Frank Jordan while he's in Havana. What's he in Havana for? Well, what are you in Havana for? Go stick your head in a hose. Slate Shannon speaking. Slate. Slate, come down here right away. Please. Please, you've got to. What's the matter, Frank? Hurry, there's not a lot of time. Why isn't there a lot of time? What's happening? I'm afraid, Slate. Please, at the Hotel Suarez on the Prado. Hurry. Hello? Hello, Frank. Hey, hello. What were you saying, Sailor? Miss Sailor went out, Mr. Slate, with the huff. Well, if she and the huff come back and ask for me, tell them don't ask.
make yourself comfort, Miss Duar. In the big wicker chair with the inner tube cushion will be nice. Gee, Inspector, the way you treat a girl. It makes her eyelashes flutter. See? Flutter. Now the left one. Flutter. Mm, I cannot tell you how pleasurable it is you come to me, even without that I arrested you. That's why you gave me the chair with the inner tube, huh? Exactly. <laughs> oh, you are a sly one, Miss Duval. Just call me Slyzy. And now perhaps you will tell me why you have come. To bribe me for something you have committed or are about to commit? Heal, boy, heal. If you have not perpetrated a crime, senorita, please do not waste my time. Adios. It has been charming. Maybe I can dream one up for you. Interested? Panting at the mouth. Who robbed who? Who killed who? Who mayhemed who? I don't know yet, but I have a feeling it's coming. From a kid by the name of Frank Jordan, brother of an old pal of Slate's. You suspect this Frank Jordan of dire deeds? Worse than that. I hate him. Hmm, a woman's hate is meaningless, senorita, till the man she hates does something to her. I see no bruises on you. He got into Havana last night, off the SS Regina. Slate had to work a man over for him. I want you to find out why. I'll flutter again for you, any time you ask. You have twisted my elbow, senorita. I will look into this Frank Jordan for you. Thanks, LaSalle. I say it from the heart. Thanks. Frank! Is that you, Slate? Yeah, it's me. Talk some more. I gotta be sure. Come on, come on, open up. What's the matter with you? Inside, Slate, quick. Am I glad to see you? Tell me why, huh? I'm going to level with you, Slate. I thought I was being smart. Now I'm in trouble. Listen to me. you got to get me out of Havana. Kleiner, you came to Havana. I was leaving tonight. Why not take that? I can't. Don't you see? The trouble happened on the boat. <laughs> A woman? I I didn't know anything about her. You know, the travel folder said meet new friends, and I met her. Husband? He'll kill me. He said he would. Close your mouth, kid. I'll answer the door. You want some inside, mister? This gun can start scratching your grave. Hello, Frank. Look, look I was just playing around. I, I didn't know it. Against the wall, Frank. Face it. Now you, mister. I don't know who you are or what you want. But why don't we just sit down, prop our legs up, you know, talk. What's with the gun? Against the wall. Turn around, both of you. The guy your guest, Frankie? Leave him out of this. All right. You can go now, mister. When things get tough, we can do this to packed houses, Frankie. A boy never stops learning, Jack. And you know what? What? I was starting to worry. I was thinking Shannon wasn't believing me. Now he does. He'll take good care of me. I'll be real grateful. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and the second act of our story. 
tell you, Senor, you must get up this instant. Get up from the floor and take out of here, you. <sighs> Come, Senor, I will show you what I do in such instances. Do you understand what I am telling you? Up! Uh, uh, hey, cut it out, will you? Very good. You have responded well. Uh, who, uh, what happened? Who are you? Jimenez. Who else would I be? Okay, okay. Hey, where's Frank Jordan? He who rented this room? Out. There was another man here with him. Grande, ooh, big, a big man. They left together. Together, huh? Probably with their arms around each other. Oh, he's not so. The big man pushed Senor Jordan in front of him with hand in pocket as if he had a gun. Now, Senor, who are you? Just a bad dream, Jimenez. Something that never should have happened. Oh, si, Senor. And you look it. Look what your friendship for Frankie got you, Slade. Lumps on the cranium. One lump. Let's not get carried away with this thing. I got a big rise out of that soft skull of yours. Could have killed you. Look, sailor, just for a little while, let me enjoy the breezes from the sea, the whispering of the coconut palms, the splendor of the setting sun. Translation. Stop flapping your gums. I'll always remember you this way, Slate. With your brain in a sling. What eat you, sailor? I told you the kid's in trouble. He's... What does that make you, Mother Shannon? Put it all together and it spells sucker. Guy clobbering me on the back of the head, taking Frankie for a gun ride who knows where. What's all that, a senior prom? Senorita Duval, Senor Shannon. Ask me later, Slade. Right now a policeman is mushing his way through the sand to me. Here we are, La Sally, old pally. I see you. You are very clear in the twilight. Hello. And a hello to you, LaSalle. <laughs> hey, kid, you ought to try the local Y. They've got just the thing for breathless boys like you. Thank you. I will consider it. But the reason for my breathless, amigo, friend mine, is that a man lies murdered. And you couldn't wait to spread the news, huh, LaSalle? I'm a fool to ask this, but anyone we know? I think. A man in a double-breasted tweed suit. A man with whom you have had what is called a disturbance of the peace in my set. Witnesses told us of this. You were right, Slate. You were a fool to ask. Take the jackpot. Now look, Inspector Mine, that was just a friendly little round of fisticuffs. You know, the manly art. Comes a time in every fellow's oh, life. Oh, it is not you of whom we have suspicion this time, Shannon. But of a buddy pal, Frank Jordan. This is the name the anonymous man, the unidentified man of the tweed suit, whispered before he died. Frank Jordan. You see, Slate, I told Please, you... Please, Miss Duval... Let us go to my business and talk of Shannon's friend, of Frank Jordan. Huh? My arm? Wouldn't go without it. See what happens when fellows agree with me, Slate? They give me their right arm. Cut it out, King. Why is it all of a sudden my music does not agree with you, Mr. Slate? I'm trying to think. About Frank Jordan? What happened to him? Why did a gunsel beat me around the head and not Frank? Where did he take Frank? And why did he take him? A man who beats a man about the head with a gun may also reverse the gun, Mr. Shannon. 
It takes less energy to pull a trigger. Perhaps this is what was done to... No, it wasn't. Hiya, Frank. I got away from him. He was going to kill me, but I tricked him. You did, huh? How? While he wasn't looking, I hit him. I hit him hard. Knocked him out. You know what I think, kid? I think you don't have the strength to hit a man and tilt his head. I hit him with an andiron. Now you come back to me because you want to get out of Havana. That's why I brought my bag. Don't tell me you're going to change your mind. Look, I can't get on that liner. Tonight, when it's dark, I'll run you over to Key West. Come on, Frank, let's hide you away from all that trouble. Do I get to sit on the inner tube again, LaSalle? It is comforting, is it not, senorita? But I think you will not care to. I think what I have to tell you of this Jordan will make you stand on end. Not bad, huh? This matter of Frank Jordan. He had an admirable record in his college until he played cookie. Hooky. Your pardon. During his sabbatical of this hooky, he was seen to consort with a notorious gamblers. The police of many states saw him so consorting. It made them to rub their chins and say, Hmm. They said that, huh? Just like that. Hmm. And when they found him always in the shadow of an infamous ship's gambler, a Jack Cronin, a cheat, a known criminal, they said, Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that makes Frankie, boy. A man we want for murder. Tell Shannon that, Senorita Duval. Tell Shannon if he does not give us this murder suspect... We will hold Shannon for accessory. It'll break his heart, so I'll tell him. That's what the man said, Slate. The man told me Frank was wanted for murder. Well, LaSalle might be telling the truth at that. What do you mean, might be? He's police inspector of Havana. Why should he lie? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Don't you get it, Slate? He's playing you for a patsy. Something happened on that cruise liner so that Frank can't go back to it. He said it was something about a woman. Maybe. LaSalle said Frank was mixed up with a professional gambler named Jack Cronin. You're going to turn Frank over to LaSalle, aren't you? No. This is really one of your dull days, Slate. Why aren't you going to turn him in? Because I'm not sure. Try to understand my side of it, sailor. Frank is just a kid. His brother and I went through a lot together. I owe his brother at least this much to give Frank a chance. Next week, East Lynn. That's your trouble, sailor. Someone gets a little sentimental. A guy embarrasses himself in front of you just so he can be honest, and you... I'm sorry. I said I was sorry, Slate. I've got Frank down at that old shack of Mario's. The boat, too. If anybody drops in and asks for me, tell him I'll be there. And I'm just supposed to sit around like an information desk, huh? And if anybody asks, I'm leaving for Key West in just one hour. It's me, Slate Shannon. Oh, I was worried you weren't coming. How do you feel, Frank? Anxious. When are we getting out of here? When it gets real dark. There's not much moon tonight. We'll make it a Key West easy. What have you been doing with yourself all this time? Cards and playing solitaire. You play poker? Not much. You want to play? Just you and me? Two-handed? Showdown. Just to pass the time away. What do we play for? Match sticks, marks, and a piece of paper. That's all. Sure, I'd like it. All right, let's sit down. Is your suitcase on the chair? Give it to me. Uh, 
Sorry. Just edge you here. I'll take it. Sure. Here, let's sit. Here, use these cards. I picked them up at my hotel. What's the matter with these cards I've been using? Nothing. Same design, same cards. Let's just use my cards, huh? Sure. I'll get these out of the way here. All right. Want to cut for deal? Yeah. Six of clubs. Ace, my deal. Deal away. Queen for you. Nine for me. Ten for you. Ace for me. Four for you. Six for you. And, uh, well, little old nine for me. Filled it inside straight. Well, that about does it, Frank. I'm clean out of matchsticks. I'll lend you some. <laughs> no, I've had enough. You're a lucky boy for a kid who doesn't know much about... Come on in, people. Hiya, Frank. What is this, Slate? Isn't someone going to say hello to me? I told you to give directions, sailor, not to come here. When this fellow here asked me where you were, I leaned over the desk and said, Are you Jack Cronin? For an answer, he winked, grinned, and showed me a gun. You weren't going to leave without me, were you, Frank? This is the guy who slugged you, Slate. Yeah, I know. He's the guy that's been after me. One that wants to get me. Tell me something, Cronin. How did a kid like Frankie here get away from a big man like you? I'll tell you about it, Shannon. It was... Double-crosser! Double... How do you like your boy now, Slate? A killer. Oh, it was self-defense, Sailor. Cronin was after the kid. You saw it. Slate, have you gone completely crazy? Come on, Frank. Let's go to Key West. Sure we will. And you know why? Sure I know why. The dough you've got in that suitcase. That's the money you and Cronin took off the customers on that luxury liner. Cheated him out of it. I'm holding the gun. I'm confessing. You're a bright kid, Frankie. That dead man in the tweed suit, you killed him too? I didn't mind. He was a company cop. And what's a company cop to a bloody boy like you? Thanks, Dal. I want to tell you something, Frank. I wasn't really sure about you. You want to know when I found out? I know. When you pull that crummy trick of handing me a deck of cards without aces. But aces suddenly turned up, didn't they, Slate? And nine times out of ten in my hand. Sure. The ones you palmed from the Solidaire deck you were playing with. You had to cheat even though you were playing for matchsticks. It's dark enough now, Slate. Take me to Key West. Yeah, I'll take you. Kill the light sailor. I'll find you in the dark, Slate. You found me? Okay, sailor. You can turn on the lights. You convinced now? Yeah. I'm not sending my boy to college. Their jaws break too easy. Sailor. What do you want? Here, take a card. Oh, no. You're going to show me that corny card trick again? Oh, go ahead. Take one. Any one at all. All right. Four of clubs. No, no. Don't tell me what it is. Just look at it and remember it. Take another one. That's right. Now put it back in the deck. That's right. Now, I'll shuffle them. Now, watch this. I can hardly wait. Now, this will astound you. Slate. 
Huh? I forgot what my card was. Ah, what is it with you? A guy learns a few card tricks, he likes to show them off. I know a trick. See? Nothing up my sleeves, no strings, no rubber bands. Hands behind my back. So? So close your eyes. Astound you? That's a trick. Last girl who did that held her hands behind my back. Come here. That's the way the trick goes. And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. You can find more from Rocky Jordan, Bold Venture, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. Thousands of episodes to listen to and a shoutcast stream, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. You make it all happen. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.